Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. All right, and welcome everybody to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable, and I have with me today one of my longtime friends in the fitness industry, Nadine Dumas, and she is a fitness professional, she's a serial entrepreneur, she's a speaker, and she is all about empowering women, and I am so excited to have her on the show today. Nadine, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes, so I hear you are right now, uh, you are in Calgary, Alberta, so you are... I'm at... I'm actually in Red Deer. Oh, you're in Red Deer even. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah, was home so for you, welcome. correct? It's, yeah, it's my hometown. So I'm just here for the next couple of weeks visiting family. Nice. Very nice. So, you know, for the listeners that don't know who you are, because now that I'm based in the, in the States, a lot of my listeners, of course, are American. And you've been in the fitness industry in Canada, but you're... Mm-hmm. Your outreach is now you. You're basically worldwide, like you, Australia, mm-hmm. you know, Dubai. So your your face is everywhere, recognized everywhere. So how did your original kind of journey start into the fitness industry? It was an interesting journey. I was I was actually just telling someone this this morning, and when I was, I guess I was 24. I've always told people I was 25, but I just figured out like last week that I was 24 when I moved down to the Cayman Islands and I moved down as an accountant at the time. And when I was down there, I realized that there was only co-ed gyms to go to. So Mm -hmm. I was, I was never an athlete, anything like that. I liked to go to this women's gym back home in in Red Deer. I was very comfortable with it. I didn't like co-ed gyms. So when I moved down to Cayman, I realized that they didn't have any female gyms. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to have to go to this co-ed gym. And when I started going, I started realizing that there was all of these people there that looked like they were really ripped and they were (laughs) preparing for something and not knowing anything about the fitness industry. I just thought, oh, what are these people doing? And someone said they're competing in a competition next month. Maybe you should go and check it out. So I did. And I watched them and I was like, can do that (laughs) and so I I trained for my first competition I was very tiny um learned a lot from it um had a lot of people make a lot of comments about me but that was totally fine and from there I um I decided to prove everyone wrong with you know what they were saying about me and I dieted and I trained for another competition nine months later and ended up winning the show and it was also at that time that I decided to um that I decided to quit my job as an accountant in the Cayman Islands and finish my schooling Mm -hmm. and move back home yeah and so that was at the time that Facebook started it was around 2007 and of course, everyone's posting their photos on Facebook and reconnecting with all of their high school friends. And everyone's like, who is this girl yeah. that 
was so shy in high school, never did anything fitness related. And now all of a sudden she's posting these pictures of her with like brown skin standing up on a stage in a sparkly bikini. And then everyone started reaching out and asking me questions about, can you help me with your, with my diet? Can you help me with training? And it was at that time in 2007 that I decided to completely stop my accounting and move into the fitness industry. And that was really where it all began. Wow, so that totally just sparked from your Completely. accounting and all of a sudden now you're in health and fitness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and yeah, and it was so much of it really had to do with helping people. Yeah. And I just, I really loved helping people. Even when I was an accountant, that was one of the things that I loved the most was just helping people and helping businesses and from a completely different perspective, but now it was helping people with their bodies. Yeah. I mean, you were helping them financially Mm -hmm. and, but now you're getting to, you know, the core of, you know, why so many people are unhappy, right? Because they can have, you know, lots of money in the bank account, but if you're not taking care of your vessel, like how Mm -hmm. happy are you going to be? So with, and with your approach, because I I noticed your approach is you're very much focused on balance and holistic. Was there, was that kind of your um, direction right off the hop or did you you grow into that? So when I, I came back home, I started working with clients, but it was specifically in the fitness industry. So I co-owned a bodybuilding federation when I moved home from the Cayman Islands. And I was really just working with women that were more competitors, whether they were my client or not. A lot of them started contacting me after their show and they were struggling with body image. They were struggling with eating. They were struggling with so many different things. And that was when I started helping women on a much deeper level. And it was after a couple of years of just working with competitors that I really realized that this applied to Every woman that has tried any fad diet that has calorie restricted, you know, dropped their carbs, over-exercised, and it just really applied to all of the, the fad diets and stuff. So then I started working with the mass market and mm. all women. And as I started working with the women, I really started to realize that there was so much more to why they wanted a diet. There was so much more to their exercising. And when they would contact me, there was a reason for why they contacted me. They didn't contact me because they just wanted a diet. They contacted me because something was said, something happened. And at the time when I was just working with these women, I didn't know how to ask those questions or I didn't feel like it was my place to ask much deeper questions. And so that was when I decided to enroll in the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. So I'm now an eating psychology practitioner and I can ask those questions and we can dive into a lot more of a a deeper level to why they have body image issues, why it is that they want to diet, why they're going through, you know, the same diet 30 times, losing the same 30 pounds over and over and over and really just making an impact once and for all Mm -hmm. more lifelong, long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the approach that I take now with everything that I do. And I'm just really trying to change the industry because I've just seen so much of it change. Yeah. And I have, I haven't seen anyone like when you're eating psychology and I don't see a lot of coaches 
with Mm -mm. that in their arsenal. So, and it's, it's tough because so many people and from social media and as a collective and just from society, it's just much easier to just jump into the newest fad diet because that's what social media is feeding us. That's what society is feeding us. It's just, you know, if you try this diet and you stick with it, it's going to work. But as soon as you go off of it, then all of a sudden all of these women think that they're failures when they're actually not, they're just not really listening to themselves and they're not listening to their bodies and what it is that's going on in their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's really diving a lot deeper too. And to be able to have a coach like yourself help, you know, peel back those layers, you know, yeah. and are, are you finding like a lot of it's like from their past or from their, yeah you know, their relationships or where, where are you finding a lot? Like what's the main root of, of this pain for a lot of women? The three would be from their past and then it would be from their relationships. And then it would be from a work perspective. The biggest one would probably be relationships. There's mm-hmm. a lot of women that I work with that, let's say, you know, met their husband when they were in their early twenties, maybe late teens or something like that, and had children right away, gave everything to their family, kind of lost themselves in the process. And then now they're in their forties and the children have moved out. And all of a sudden they're sitting across the room, looking at their husband, not really liking them (laughs) (laughs) and, or not really liking the relationship that they're in because they've just lived for their children for a really long time and just forgot about themselves. So they come to me and they're just really trying to find themselves yeah. and they're trying to find out, you know, where, where they just really lost themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, it's very, it's very emotional. It's, um, it can be very taxing on both the client and also myself, because you're digging into such a deeper level mm-hmm. and really getting a person to feel their feelings instead of eat their feelings. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's big. And I mean, I, I did that in the past when I was a teenager, I ate my feelings mm-hmm. and I know what it's like to eat your feelings and it's, it's not, yeah. it's not fun. It's not a fun cycle to be in either now for yourself do you feel because you're working so closely with these women um do you consider your I'm just curious do you consider yourself an empath yes I very much am Mm. and it's been a really big learning lesson for myself with being an empath and I didn't really understand it up until maybe about five four or five years ago yeah and it's became you know, even more important for me to understand right now, because I do feel so much of my client's pain. And I have to also remember that when I walk away from my coaching, I have to be able to release it. And at the beginning of my work with my clients, I wasn't able to, and I really struggled. So Mm -hmm. I was um, living with a lot of their pain and a lot of their emotions within me. Mm -hmm. So I've had to learn how to do a lot of work for myself as well. Oh, um, so what, what kind of what kind of steps do you do you do to kind of balance that for yourself or to break away from it? Like, what's one key thing that you've learned to do that's helped you in that? A lot of it was time and just really understanding myself and understanding the situation. I do get Reiki as well. Okay, yeah. and that that's probably the one thing that has helped me. A lot of people will say it's just grounding yourself. So. Yeah. 
especially because I live in the Cayman Islands, you can go and walk in the sand, you can go and walk in the grass, you can go into the water and just, um, you know, have it kind of so-called wash you away, wash Mm -hmm. it away. Um, It didn't work for me. So I had to go into more of the Reiki and more into the spiritual healing to just allow a little bit more of it to um, be released for me. I also use crystals. For a lot of people, they listen to it and they're, they don't really understand that aspect, but mm-hmm. each to their own, I guess. So. Yeah. Do you see yourself becoming certified in Reiki? I've been told that I need to, <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know if I can yet. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's it's really deep. A lot of the work you do is just really deep. So mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. But right now I do a lot of a lot of that work even with my clients without me even knowing. Yeah. Yeah. You're natural. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, well and I think maybe it might be a little easier for empaths to even put you know, be in that position of someone like a Reiki practitioner as well mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. and that's that's really interesting I didn't know you were into crystals yeah very yeah cool. I usually yeah usually carry a black tourmaline with me when I'm working with clients yeah very nice for mm-hmm. grounding mm-hmm. pardon me that's for grounding yeah or um it also helps ward off negativity okay yeah yeah good stuff get that energy barrier going strong so you know you you've You've mentioned the Cayman Islands now a lot, and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are going to be just fantasizing, you know, in your Canada, and you said you went out there because of, you know, accounting. But why Why did you choose the Cayman Islands initially? Like, what, what, what was the draw for that for you? It was from the accounting perspective. Yeah. It was just it, one of the places where Canadians go when they're accountants. Okay. And yeah. it was warm and it was, it was just a really, I don't know, I guess my boss at the time that I was working for, he knew someone that lived down there Yeah. and I told him that I wanted to move and he said, well, I know someone that lives in the Cayman Islands and I was like, okay, sure. And I didn't actually <laughs> know where I was going. And six months later I was on a plane. I didn't know anyone Yeah. Uh, landed on this island, not knowing where I was going and just made the best of it. And you were 24 when you did that. I was 24, yeah. So 13 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, what a place to be. <laughs> <laughs> you're so young, and it's like the world is your oyster, and you you go and land, and you're not a lot of 24-year-olds end up in the Cayman Islands, you know? No. No. No, and not wanting to take that chance by themselves. And, you know, it's two suitcases and on a plane, and um, it completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're you're living there basically permanently now, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. am. So, what advice would you would you give to someone then? I mean, you've taken the leap. Obviously, you know, it was a little bit of your career that that took you there at the time. But what advice would you give to women looking to take the leap to move abroad? Then, coming from someone like yourself that's done it, um, I would say you know, make sure it works out logistically for you and financially for you and just do it. Mm. You know, you can, you can always come back. There's nothing wrong with that. You can always go and try it. But if there is something within you that, you know, is making you want to broaden your horizons or just go and try something different, I say go for it. I think that it's a wonderful thing. And I think that 
it allows you to, well, I posted about this just the other day. Uh, it allows you to mature. It allows you to become independent. You really, you can't depend on um, your family and your friends from back home, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're forced to meet new people and you're forced to just really come out of your shell. And I was an incredibly shy person. I don't know what I was thinking when I first <laughs> But I was incredibly shy and it forced me out of my comfort zone and to talk to people. And one of the things with the Cayman Islands is everyone that moves there has moved there from a different country and we're all kind of in the same boat. We don't have our families there or anything. So yeah. you, you make friends a lot faster and people, your friends become family and yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. So I think it's, I just think they just need to, um, you know, make sure that you have things settled at home first and financially you are able to do it because I do know when I moved, I had the perception that money was going to come a lot faster. It wasn't going to come out of my bank account as fast either, but you do need to talk to someone probably that lives there, wherever Mm -hmm. it is that you're wanting to go and just make sure financially you have yourself set up because you don't want to go and have your bank account drained. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a big thing too. And understanding costs and everything yeah. you, you wouldn't normally expect, you know, cause same thing when I, when I lived in Mexico and it was like, okay, well you don't rent here because they know this area is for tourists. So like the cost of electricity is going to be more money and you're going to end up with a $500, you know, air conditioning bill. <laughs> so yes, exactly. And you have to buy a new car and you have to pay for your insurance in full and you have to buy a new cell phone and you have to pay first and last month's rent and yeah. all of these different things. So it, it does add up, but in the end, the, the move is worth it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so you've been there now for 13 years. <laughs> yeah. I came back for three years in between there. Yeah. But that was it. That was it. Yeah. And just relocated back there. Yeah, it just sounds like a really cool melting pot of people. And I mean, it's beautiful weather all year round, <laughs> though. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can totally understand why you didn't really come back to Canada for long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when when did the when did the vision for your business become clear? Like, when were you like, okay, I've got something, you know, let's move forward with this like an actual like not just kind of like training here and there but you're like okay this is this is my business plan this when did it become clear to you um I don't think I would say that it's ever like fully fully become clear because it keeps on changing for Mm -hmm. me but when I decided to move back so I I built my companies in Canada during those three years and it was at that time that I realized that I could do everything online yeah And I didn't need to be in Canada. And so I decided to move back down to Cayman and just run everything online. So at that time, that was where that part became really clear. Mm -hmm. And then once I got down to Cayman and I started spending, I guess I've been down there for eight years this year, I guess it was. Um, So much has changed again, especially with moving into the eating psychology. But as time has went on, and I've watched the industry change and you probably have known this as well because we both have been in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. You see things <laughs> change and you always need to stay ahead of the game. Yeah. And, you know, so sometimes your, your vision isn't fully clear, mm-hmm. but you just know that you need to move in another direction to kind of get ahead of everyone. Yeah. And not get stuck in that hamster wheel. 
and not get stuck in an industry where you just don't want to be left behind. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to stay on the up and up with everything. And I think too, with how social media has changed how we, you know, receive our knowledge. And I mean, it's a a blessing and a curse because there's just Mm -hmm. so much, you know, (sighs) people's opinions and conflicting information and the bro science and, the, mm-hmm. the truth warriors out there trying to make headway in that. like, But I also feel that I see a lot more um, women on social media championing more uh, self-love and self-acceptance, you know, mm-hmm. getting away from the scale. Have you, have you noticed that as well? Like you see like more like yeah. body positive. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, you know, some, I would say you're doing it for the right reasons and some are doing it for the wrong reasons, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the whole, I just really think that everyone's taking more of a holistic approach. Everyone's taking a, well, what it is that I've always, the approach I've always done for probably close to 10 years is helping women find balance in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's learning how to how to love themselves, but not just like the who the whole frou-frou kind of thing. It's just like, oh, just love yourself. <laughs> you, know? you know, just just and I can't say that to my clients. I can't just be like, oh, you know, just you just need to love yourself a little bit better. Like you actually need something to back it up with, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to explain it to people. And um, that's where I think is just like moving into a much deeper level with the whole self-love and the whole holistic approach and stuff. Yeah. So I do, I do notice it moving a little bit more in that direction. And I think it's great. I think that people do need to see the other sides of it, especially from a fitness, like the fitness industry, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of women that really look at those photos from the fitness industry and think that if they can't achieve that, then they're failures. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So I like now that things are moving. Yeah. It really set up an unnecessary bar of unrealistic it's not even it's not even standards it's just it's like you know it, it it's an extreme it's an extreme sport and it looks cool but mm-hmm. by no means is that you know the way that we're supposed to walk around 24 mm-hmm. 7 for the you know the other remainder weeks of the year and yeah. yeah it's amazing how much that can just wreak havoc on women's you know their emotions and yeah. their 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 own self love of what they think should be accepted and what's in and what's skinny muscular curvy, you know it's you like know. With, it's just it's, uh, it's just I can't imagine you know the women that you ha- that you have to speak to and you, I'm sure you probably feel like you know there's there's so many broken women out there. Oh yeah. It- I could go on for days. <laughs> I'm sure you could. And I'm sure that's probably one of the, the big reasons of why it probably helps to now get a bunch of women underneath one roof. And you decided to start doing retreats. I did. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on with that? Like what compelled you to go all in on that and not just stick to just like doing the online thing? Right. Uh, it's, Probably, okay, so it was two years ago, I had two clients in one week message me, and they said, do you know what you should do? You need to do a retreat. You need to do something where all of us can come down and stay with you and visit you, and I went, okay, 
And so my wheels just started turning and mm. I was able to create my first retreat last year. And I ended up having 10 women come down. The majority of them were my clients and it just, it was amazing. It filled my cup as well. So mm. it, for me, it was just a huge passion project of mine as well. And, um, I wanted to do it because I don't really get to see my clients. I don't get to meet them. There were some women that were on that retreat that I have worked with for six years and I've never met. Oh, wow. And I've never, yeah, and I've never actually had a conversation with them, but I know their dog's name and I know their kids' names and I know everything that they've been through. And it was just a week long retreat where it again revolved around finding balance. So that's why it's called the Lagom retreat. Mm -hmm. And Lagom is Swedish for finding balance and mindfulness and all that you do. And so the retreat revolved around that where it was, it was not over exercising. It was not under eating and eating sprigs of lettuce <laughs> and kale kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there was still drinking on it. I think every night they were, they ended up in the hot tub and ended up giving each other advice. And by the end of the seven days, they were all best friends yeah. and still actually this weekend I'm driving up to Edmonton and all of us are meeting. Oh, amazing. Um, well, the, the ones from the retreat that yeah. live in this area, we're all meeting and just getting together. So it's, I expanded it just to different areas for my clients. So right now I'm back home, I'm doing wellness talks mm -hmm. in different cities. So it's, it's called embracing Lagom. So it's learning how to find balance um, learning how to embrace it as well and not going from one extreme to the next. So I have the speaking engagements and then I also have an e-course that people can do that's all based around finding balance and the mind-body nutrition approach. So it's how to get the mind and the body to talk to each other. And then I do all of my coaching, but then I moved into just this one time a year retreat that women can come to. I launched it about three weeks ago or maybe four weeks now. And within 36 hours, I had all of the rooms sold except for half of one, half yeah. of one room. Oh, <laughs> amazing. That's awesome. And it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it's just, it's just a retreat for women to come and really get to learn a little bit more about themselves and really be inspired by the other women. So a lot of the things that I talk about is about educating, transforming, and inspiring women. And the inspiring doesn't come from me. The inspiring actually comes from each other. Mm -hmm. So what it is that one woman is able to accomplish will for sure inspire at least one other person. So by these women coming to a retreat, they all share their stories. They're all, it's a place of um, trust. It's a place of like vulnerability and they just let everything out yeah. and they're able to share what it is that they've been through and help heal other people. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Just like all this female energy and power and then it's <laughs> collecting that energy too. And it just, it takes, you know, I like to say it just takes one person to believe in you. And if they're, they're coming there and, yeah they've now you know met nine other women that believe in them and you yeah. work on that energy for seven days straight mm -hmm. I bet they leave mm -hmm. feeling you know so empowered and invincible oh the what has happened since last October with these 10 women is unbelievable unbelievable they have made such huge life changes where when they came they were at 
you know, they were at a point in their life where, you know, do I leave my job or not? Do I put my house up for sale? Do I finally sign those divorce papers? That's where these women were. Oh, wow. And not saying that everyone that came to the retreat were broken and they needed help with something. Like some of them were just there because they wanted a vacation and they wanted seven days of being in the sun and working out every day and doing yoga and eating really great food and drinking wine yeah. and learning something, you know, and just meeting new people. So not everyone, yeah. I don't even want to say anyone was broken coming in. No one was broken coming in there. I don't want to make it sound like that, but everyone had something that was going on in their life that they just wanted to dive a little bit more into. Yeah. And it was getting another opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so like all these all these women so they're there so they go they spend the week. So you did this last year. So do you have um the same women some of the same women that have uh, decided to come back for a second time? I do. I do. It's pretty neat. Well, that speaks volumes. Yeah. So I think about 60 or 70% mm-hmm. of the ones coming back are were on the last retreat. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I see that really growing for you. I'm hoping so. There's some new things that are on the horizon with it. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Oh. Mm-hmm. Can you say some of the new things? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. Stay tuned to Nadine's yeah. uh, website and Instagram and you'll be kept on the up and up. So after all this and, you know, the from – being in accounting and into the fitness industry, uh, what has been the most valuable piece of advice that has ever been given to you? Um, oh, most valuable piece of advice. I would probably say, it probably consistently step outside step outside your industry Mm. like from a business perspective from a growth perspective um obviously like my personal also leads into my professional and it's just it's never putting yourself just in one spot like it's always like consistently stepping outside always looking at um, everything else that's going on around you and not just concentrate just on let's say just fitness or whatever it is like the retreats was something I would have never thought about. And, um, I didn't know what I was doing when I first decided I was going to launch it. And it's just stepping outside of your industry. And so many of the other things that so many other opportunities that I've had in the past couple of years have just been completely outside of my industry, but you can see how they all apply. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the the valuable pieces of information I, or advice that I've been given. Yeah. Um, and the other one would just be to, as cliche as it sounds, is just to, to not care what other people think. Mm-hmm. And that has always been a tough thing. I think it's for a lot of people. You know, it's, you just, it can be a struggle for a lot of people, but. It really can. You know, and I had someone mm-hmm. comment too, to say, well, it'd be a lot easier you know, if, to do that, if, you know, people weren't so judgmental. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like, people well, people strip you down and people especially from social media right and yeah. it just holds you back on wanting to say things and you know I'm coming from a place of being a full-on introvert and an accountant and shy and not really wanting not not wanting but I never really put myself out there. So for yeah. me, it just takes a lot for me to do that. But you also know from an inspiration perspective, you can help inspire one, even if it's one person. Yeah. So that advice I've taken for myself and I also apply to my clients mm-hmm. and I apply it to them because they don't know who it is that they're going to impact as well. Yeah. So you have to practice. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, and I think that's so important. And, you know, at the end of the day, too, I think, like, you, people are going to judge you if you wear your hair in ponytail or down, if you've got, if you've gained five pounds, you've lost five pounds, if you've, you know, mm-hmm. added, if your shoulders are more muscular, or they're not muscular, you know, it's just like, you can't please everyone. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are closest to you know, you know, who you are what you represent, what you're about, your love, like who cares about the other 7 billion on social media, what they think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It takes a lot when you're really in the public eye and yeah. you know, you're right in the forefront for people to just have at her. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you, when you put yourself out there too, you gotta, you gotta expect that. But yeah, it's, I, I'm, I love it when women do finally, start to open up and share their story and it just mm-hmm. and I think it's really powerful especially for women to connect like that and understand that there's other people that are going through you know exactly yeah exactly and that's what the retreat is really about and mm-hmm. I do have like a, a private group on Facebook too where the women they share their stories but definitely with the retreat when it's face to face that's mm-hmm. when people really really open up yeah. and by me also being able to be back home and do my talks, it gives people an opportunity to speak with me more one-on-one face-to-face. And that's when people give you all of their information. That's when people feel comfortable. That's when they realize that they have this voice and they need to be able to share something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's huge. So would you say then, um, what would you say to younger Maybe. Let's say 23-year-old. 22-year-old, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right before you, you leave on a plane, what would you tell her? To just not be afraid. And I guess in a way I wasn't at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I probably would have, at that time, put myself out there more. And been a little bit more confident with what it was that I was doing and just really not be afraid. Yeah. And I do, I do that with my son now and I always make sure that like making sure he's independent is really important to me Mm -hmm. and making sure that he's worldly and that he's just not afraid of things. I want him to always try things because I think I probably held back a little bit more and I want to, I, I don't want him to end up like that. So I yeah. would like to see him just put himself out there more, um, not be, af- not be shy, not be afraid to say things. And that, and that's who I was at that time when I was mm. 22, 23, I didn't really say a lot and I was, I was shy to do things and, I wish that I was a little bit more brave at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you, 
have you ever heard this? And you know, I, I don't, I don't have children. Um, but I, I think this was really cool. And I heard it and I was saying that someone, um, I don't know what the story or if I saw it on Facebook or where it was, but it stuck with me, you know, celebrating like for your children, celebrating their failures as much as their successes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Do you, do you, do you yeah, kind of do that great. with your, with your son? Yeah, I would say so. I, I don't really, I guess I don't really concentrate a lot on it being a failure. Mm -hmm. We just, we, we approach it in a different way. Yeah. 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 So like even right now he's six years old and he's, he's learning how to read and the times that he would, let's say, mess up on a word or something, you just, you encourage them a little bit more or learning how to ride a bike and falling off of it and learning how to ride a scooter and falling off of it. And yeah. they just, they learn from all of those, all of those areas. Yeah, totally. So what would be one book that you hope that your son will read when he's older that you would, that you would give to him to read? Um... Hmm. I guess it would really depend on what it is that he wants to do and where it is that he wants to go. But as funny as it sounds, have you ever heard of the book, The Five Love Languages? Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I really think that a person, no matter if it's a relationship or a business partnership or just meeting people, you need to be open to understanding who they are, what makes them tick, really what their language is. It doesn't even have to be their love language. It's just what their language is and not always judge people and um, just really understand them. And I would say that it would be that book. I'm assuming that they've written other ones that are just not about love. And they, I think there's one way to understand the language of children. I believe oh, yeah. that yeah, yeah, I think so they wrote too. one of those ones too. Mm -hmm. So I would say it would be a book like that and to really – to really understand what makes other people happy, what makes what makes you happy, and how to convey that to others. Yeah, I think that's just it's really important for children, especially as like as they're growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That yeah, that's that's probably one of my favorite books too. And I haven't. It was a long time ago when I read it, and I could probably read it again. And I know too when I asked Sean if he had read that book, and he said, "Yep." And I was like, "Oh, sweet." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> It's awesome because it's one of those books that I think, yeah, when you read it, it's just such a, it's such a big aha moment. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. well then, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, you understand it like this or, oh, you need it like, or, oh, you need gifts and, or no, you like words of, you know, encouragement. And it's like, oh, it just makes so much sense when you apply that to people in your life. Mm -hmm. it, it really does for relationships, yeah. for business relationships you need to be able to understand the other people and you need to be able to um, talk to them in the way that works best for them. And especially even with what it is that I'm doing with my clients, I need to understand every single one of them is different. Yeah. And I have my approach with each of them is completely different. So I don't have some kind of template. I don't have something that's cookie cutter. I have to understand the people and I have to be able to approach them in a way that's going to work best for them. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be the book probably not the love languages, but just the language of people and understanding it. And I think it would be something great for him. I, when I had 
thought about that. I wasn't really sure what book it would be, you know, because everyone talks about like, Oh, all those entrepreneur books that are out there right now or like the art of not giving a fuck or whatever yeah. that book is. And I haven't, I haven't read it. I haven't read it either. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Or the but, subtle art or something or like that. Oh, yeah. is that what it is? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if those would be the ones, but I would say just the love language one would yeah. be one that comes to mind for sure. Yeah. No, that that'd be a good one. And you, know, and you mentioned mm-hmm. just now, it came out of your mouth, you said cookie cutter, and I know you're not about that cookie cutter life. <laughs> <laughs> so wh- tell, tell me, and we talked a little bit about social media, and we know what's going on there. What's a one fitness fad that really irks you? <laughs> you can let it out. It would... What? You can let it out. There's a circle of trust. <laughs> <laughs> Most of you and all your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's the fad diets. It just, um, there was a couple of things that I say in my talks. And one of the ones is body hatred is a for-profit market. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the waist trainers, the slimming creams, all of those different things, like having a woman hate her body is going to cost, it's going to have them spend more money on products. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's true. It's, and I, I tread lightly with that whole thing, you know, but um, I really find that just from a woman's perspective, body hatred really is a for-profit market. Yeah. You know, in a, in a world that profits from your insecurities, loving mm-hmm. yourself is an act of, you know, being a rebel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. I definitely agree. Yeah. That's probably the one the fad yeah you know all of the different the different little things that keep on popping up and mm-hmm. you know quick fixes that's yeah. what really really irks me yeah you know mine is the flat tummy tea i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it right now oh yeah tummy, flat tummy teas <laughs> <laughs> like i had a couple companies reach out to me and you know they, they kept i think they sent three emails and then they stopped and it's just like, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Drink, I like tea. I like my tea. Mm-hmm. Not. It's just, uh, and yeah, it's those things like that too. And the marketing, you know, as well. Because you, oh. you look at their Instagram pages and stuff. And, you know, and you're looking at their page. And you know, after a while, you're like, I think I want some tea. No, wait, what? What? No, I don't want any tea. <laughs> It's, there's some pretty extreme things out there, that's for sure. Yeah. No, and no, no. people people buy into it. That's the thing that just upsets me the most. Yeah. And it's trying to debunk all of that. And that's what I was doing during my talks over the next, or I am doing during my talks over the next couple of weeks. It's just really debunking those myths. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's going to keep on going, but it's just really teaching people how to um, listen to themselves rather than social media. Yeah. Telling them what they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree <laughs> with you there. Totally agree with you there. So now we're, <clears throat> we're leading up to the end of our talks here and you know, what also my listeners may not know about you is you've graced many a fitness magazine cover 
Uh, if they look mm-hmm. you up right now, they'll see. Uh, you've been on TV. You've been interviewed. Um, but definitely, you know, how, and we're talking about social media too, how integral is social proof like magazine covers <laughs> to a fitness entrepreneur? Cause you know, a lot of people that listen, a lot of people that get into the industry, they think that they're going to set up an Instagram account and they're going to do a show and they're going to get a magazine cover, but they mm-hmm. got to understand there's got to be a business to it. There's got to be a business side that's going to, you know, that's where you're going to make, you know, if you want to make a money in the industry, you know, it's, it's. Just gotta. If it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense, right? So, how how would you say this is gonna help somebody to you know go after these photo shoots and try to land covers? Is it is it really important for people who want to make a, a you know some impact? Yeah. Or I think from a credibility standpoint, it's great, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it should be end all be all and I don't think that it should be something that you live your life trying to get um, there's many many people in the industry that want to get magazine covers um, the magazine covers a lot of them came from relationships and I mean relationships as in professional relationships so for the past 10 years a lot of those magazines, I have emailed the editors of those magazines for the past 10 years. And I will always update update them with what it is that's going on in my life. I have content that I'm able to contribute. And I one of the biggest things for me is that I've never changed who I am. Mm-hmm. And I've always been um, authentic and I've always been genuine with everyone. I haven't tried to take, you know, the the fast route to try and get myself ahead of the game with everything. Um, I've just really maintained very good relationships with people, and I have content that I want to put out. I want to be able to share it with people, but for me, it was not anything that, you know, from a financial perspective did really anything for me mm-hmm. um it just it helps with the credibility standpoint i guess but yeah. yeah yeah so that's you would say just um as far as anybody else looking for that just you're saying like to like you're you're always you know keeping editors in the loop and stuff and i mean you've been doing it for 10 years so mm-hmm. people that are listening Put in the work and don't give up after the first, you know, couple knows that you get, you know, he's oh, been doing absolutely. this. Been doing absolutely. Absolutely. And, and don't burn your bridges either. Mm-hmm. And also make sure that what it is that you do lines up with the photos that you shoot, which also lines up with what it is that magazines are looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to set yourself apart from other people as well and be able to not just expect someone to put you on the cover because you won a show. And a lot of the people that get on magazine covers, you know, aren't even competitors. They're not even really deep into the fitness industry or it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one. So I just wouldn't tell people to have it be the end all be all for sure. Yeah. There's so many different things that you can do with magazines. 
So on a, on a last last note, what um, message would you tell women who are, you know, struggling struggling right now and need to need to find balance? What's your what's your takeaway message? Hmm. Um. I would say. Start listening to yourself. Start looking into the reasons for why you're beating yourself up. Look for reasons for why you're emotionally eating. Look for, um, you know, look into a much deeper level of yourself. And I guess it's the whole self-love thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, it's just stop being so hard on yourself. And just start being kinder. And don't put so much pressure on yourself and don't try to compare yourself to others in the industry or sorry, even others just on social media. It's just learning how to actually be kind and be okay with where it is that you're at and understand your story and your story will impact other people and it will also inspire other people. Love it. Well, Nadine, thank you so much for coming on the show today and spending an hour with me and my listeners do appreciate that. And all the best to you with all of your talks here. When is, when oh. is the next one coming up and where can um, people find you for the next uh, couple shows? The next talk is in Red Deer on April 4th. Okay. And then I have two in Ontario at the end of April. Okay. And um, you can find me at nadinedumas.com and everything's listed on my website. Perfect. And they can get tickets uh, through for it through that website as well? Yes, they can. Perfect. And they can just call. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Again, thank you so much, Nadine. And we'll chat soon. That was another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow Becoming Unfuckwithable on Instagram and myself. Mindy Harley official on Instagram and let me know what you thought. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.